behind me, behind me, behind me, behind me. Hey, Nikaragiwi. Wazi regi waga nangshana. Wajani wina, hijan kishana, hini karagiwina. Hanachni, pi, harajarawi. Pierre G, wow nangshana. Wit e, hunch wi, widagnida, widaje. Hamte e, harmihe, hamche. We hampoi cabra, aruanga shanaje. Hamte e, hampra jaskek janeda. Honigita kikchanawi. No, 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 no. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Hijikarek jawi. Good morning and greeting from the land of 11 federally recognized nations, or as everyone else calls it, Wisconsin. I am doing fantastic this morning, and I sincerely hope everyone else is as well. Got a little frog in my throat here. <clears throat> well, with so much going on in the world today, I was thinking that maybe, <clears throat> maybe we could spend a little time together. Shut out all the noise from the outside world and just focus on our little piece of it here. First off, I just want to thank each and every one of you who spent some of your valuable time listening to me. Time being the second most precious gift that our Creator has bestowed upon us, it is of the utmost importance that I value your commitment and provide you, the listening audience, with the highest quality entertainment that I can provide. I welcome all criticisms and ideas, please. I need your input and your analysis of the things that I say and what I should be talking about. Don't be afraid to hurt my feelings. Sometimes my feelings and thoughts need to be challenged and I need to be spanked. Well, that sounded kind of weird. So I can be reached on almost all social media platforms, so don't be afraid to reach out and get a hold of me. To be brutally honest, my knowledge of Ho-Chunk history can fit inside a thimble and still leave room for uh, to back up a semi. My library is paper thin and I wasn't raised around any elders that gave me a second thought or a glance. Not their fault. I was a horrible child growing up, so people didn't really seek out my company or gravitate towards me. I asked around for some reading material and someone gave me a copy of Corn Moon Migrations, Ho-Chunk Belonging, Removal, and Return in the Early 19th Century Western Great Lakes by Libby Rose Trones. It's broken down into four chapters. Chapter 1, Deploying Sacred History, Ho-Chunk Subsistence and Belonging in Ancestral Homelands. Chapter 2, Keeping the Peace, Rock River Ho-Chunks and the 1832 Crisis of Black Hawk's Return. Chapter 3, Creating a Shadow, How Ho-Chunks Hid Black Hawk Admired the Army in a Summer Swamp Campaign of 1832. Chapter 4, Starving and Removing. The Rock Island Treaty of 1832 and the removal of the Ho Rock River Ho-Chunk. And finally the conclusion, coming and going in a removal landscape. I just want to quote the first paragraph from the prologue. Corn Moon Migrations examines Ho-Chunk Indians' efforts to maintain their autonomy and homelands as U.S. settler colonialism displaced the British imperial influence in the western Great Lakes and upper Mississippi Valley during the early 19th century. Corn, the primary food Ho-Chunks received as a gift from Grandmother Earth, marked Ho-Chunk belonging, defined their sacred history, and underpinned their autonomy. Now to say that I was ignorant of corn and what it meant to the Ho-Chunk people would be an understatement of gargantuan proportions. I was just plain ignorant. Thank you very much. <clears throat> I felt ridiculous. 
You all knew this, but nobody wanted to say anything to me, huh? That's how it's going to be. I got you. I see how this is. I haven't finished the book, to be honest. I think I've uh, told other people this story before, but I can't watch the end of Indian movies or read the end of books about Indians because I know how they end. The consistency of these endings has made my library concerning indigenous history rather slim. But over the years as I've done this podcast, it's occurred to me that I can't wear my ignorance as a badge of honor. There's no honor in it, it being ignorance. There's only an unwillingness to learn, and nobody wears that well. So, from my lonely little studio and library, I took it upon myself to reach out and ask for books to read and people to talk to. The recommendations for book was widely answered, and I began to purchase and stock my library with books. Now, obviously, reading books on a subject and trying to master the subject matter is as silly as trying to become a black belt in judo by reading books. It just ain't going to work. But you got to start somewhere. Back to corn moon migrations. So a couple of things I've learned that I was totally unfamiliar with was the fact that like I said, we were farmers. That's why our calendar has so many names concerning farming. Also, originally, we were a matriarchal society. According to the book, it was our contact with the French that changed our society to a patriarchal one, as that was the French custom. Now, this is just the author's interpretation and finding. Still, it has to give you pause. Another thing was the name White Crow a skilled orator and negotiator for the Rock River Ho-Chunks. The book does not claim White Crow was a chief. He was simply someone with a gift who tried to negotiate the Ho-Chunk out of an unwinnable situation. Now, I'm not here to do a book report or review the book. What I am saying is there is a lot of Ho-Chunk history floating around that I know nothing about. I've lived all these years under the impression that we followed game around our territory, foraged, kicked some butt every now and then, and basically just terrorized our neighbors. We had summer encampments and winter encampments. And these camps never really grew too large to despoil our surroundings. And we left before we had a chance to do permanent damage. But upon further uh, reading, we had some pretty populous villages. So we had to have some sophisticated government. and We had to have people towing the line about how to live together. Another thing I learned was that treaties about was the treaties that the Ho Chunk uh, signed in an effort to remain in our territory. All the things we gave up and a supposed price we were paid for this land. I wish I'd known these things when I was younger, but water under the bridge. And truly, what would that have changed for me? I'm sure uh, <clears throat> a lot of this information is located somewhere within the nation. And a lot of people know all about our history, and what I'm saying is redundant and a waste of time for many of you. What I'm trying to say is that I'm 98 years old, and I'm still finding this stuff out. In the end, it's my fault. But is there a way for other people to be exposed to our history at a lot younger age? Like, what department teaches our history? What department teaches us about the treaties of 29 and 32? I'd love to attend these classes. Virtually, of course. I can't retire until I'm fully vested. And that happens when I turn 103 and a half. One of the biggest advantages that we have over other indigenous nations is that we know who we are. We know our families. We have our culture. 
All I'm asking is, can we share our history just a little more broadly? The book is called Corn Moon Migrations, and its author is Libby Rose Trones. If it's not in your library, I don't know how you're going to get a copy of it, but I heartily recommend it. Our relatives up in South Dakota were in the news recently. It seems that the governor of South Dakota, Kristi Noem, in an effort to uh, curry favor with presumptive GOP candidate for the Oval Office, made some uh, politically motivated comments about the uh, Mexican drug cartels being responsible for murders on the Pine Ridge Reservation. She went on to cite a gang that purportedly calls itself the Ghost Dancers as a primary link to uh, Mexican drug cartels that have reportedly committed murders on the res. Now, President Starr comes out, told reporters that Noam's comments about the ghost dancers was the first time he'd heard of this purported gang. The president of the Oglala Sioux, Frank Starr, comes out, took great offense to what he considered opportunistic political rhetoric from Governor Noam, who is rumored, like I said, to be uh, in the mix for a possible VP position with uh, former President Trump. I muse, as I want to do, as I sit behind a wheel in my truck, cruising on a highway, screaming at four-wheelers, about the northern states weighing in so fervently on the issue of immigration at the U.S. southern border. When reading this news, I ask myself, self, is South Dakota such a land of opportunity that illegal aliens are flocking to the state that Mexican drug cartels see a rich opportunity where... People of the dominant culture absolutely see no opportunity. Perhaps this is a case, but since South Dakota is not a state that I pay much attention to, I guess I really don't know. But on its face, I tend to doubt a surge in illegal alien population is occurring there. I should say a surge in illegal alien population. But I digress. President Frank Starr comes out, told the governor that she is not welcome on the sovereign Pine Ridge Reservation and that she is banned from stepping foot on the reservation. Governor Noam was banned a few years back for her support of the pipelines running through the reservations in the state. Governor Noam has also sought to expand police jurisdiction on on reservations, thus seeking to dilute tribal sovereignty. Governor Noam is using the unsubstantial unsubstantiated claims that a Mexican drug cartel has infiltrated the Pine Ridge Reservation and is murdering its citizens as a means of fanning the flames of fear and anger against the waves of illegal aliens flooding the southern border and furthering her cause, politically speaking. If she is so concerned about this purported issue, why has she not aggressively assisted her U.S. congressional delegation in securing more funds and training for Pine Ridge Police? Why has she not aggressively assisted her congressional delegation for more federal law enforcement funds to counter this supposed scourge? Scourge. Instead of cooperating instead of uh, cooperating with the legal government entity, the government of the Pine Ridge Reservation, it appears that Governor Noem has cherry-picked some isolated incidents in her state to support the GOP narrative that the southern border, border is on fire which it kind of is, and that South Dakotans, some 1,700 miles away from Mexico, should be horrified. The selective sighting of a gang purportedly called the Ghost Dancers was also particularly galling to President Starr comes out, 
Given that the massacre of Wounded Knee by U.S. soldiers was ordered by because the Oglala were performing what they referred to as ghost dances in the belief of repelling the onslaught of miners and settlers to their land. In the end, President Starr comes out has banned Governor Nome from the Pioneer's Reservation. Now, I commend the Oglala leadership for taking a stand. Fighting, quote-unquote, the man takes courage. I know I spend an inordinate amount of time criticizing my Ho-Chunk legislature for its consummate lack of action. To be clear, I don't cite these deficiencies of governing for sport. I do it because our legislators have a responsibility to their families, their clans, and to the Ho-Chunk Nation. Now, in the same week that the Oglala story came out, I read that the Wisconsin State Senate may soon be voting on legislation that was passed in the Wisconsin Assembly back in November. The proposed legislation is designed to ban all race considerations for college financial aid. The Ho-Chunk Nation was listed with a group that was opposed to this legislation. Kudos to the legislature for taking a stand so that historically disadvantaged and marginalized people of color in the state of Wisconsin may enjoy educational opportunities like privileged individuals from the dominant society. I'm a little hazy on the timing of this, though. Just this past fall, there was encouraging news that an agreement had been reached with the University of Wisconsin wherein tuition for Ho-Chunk Nation citizens and all other nations from the uh, federally recognized indigenous nations of Wisconsin was set to be waived. If such an agreement had been reached, what was the purpose of weighing in on the GOP's efforts to ban considerations for race and financial aid to minority college students? Has the Ho-Chunk Nation decided to take an unprecedented stance of leadership across the state and standing by our brothers and sisters of color when it comes down to financial aid for college? Was it simply a matter of odd timing? The nation took the stand of non-support for this legislation well before the nation's students were to receive the tuition waiver. But news of this stance just came out. Maybe the stance considers Ho-Chunk students who do not plan to attend the UW, and the tuition issue would have a financial impact on those students. Obviously, I would not have to be asked these silly questions if the Ho-Chunk Nation legislature created a mechanism for open and transparent government and decision-making. You know, like having a PR spokesman. Yeah, if everything wasn't done in executive session, I wouldn't have to publicly pose these questions. A quick mea culpa here, though. Something about this stance might be in the open meetings uh, minutes. But I lost interest in reading those minutes a long time ago because it's become abundantly clear that anything of substance does not occur in open session. Now, this doesn't release me from the self-appointed duty as quote-unquote watchdog of perusing the boring-ass minutes that are published in the Wodak. As the saying goes, the devil is in the details. So, if information was publicly shared and I failed to notice it, my bad. But again, kudos to the legislature for taking a stance on an issue that could affect our children. I wonder if there was any thought or discussion of poss possibly compromising the UW tuition waiver agreement by anger in the state's GOP. After all, recent history shows that even after appropriating funds to UW in the state budget, Republican legislators were willing to withhold those funds 
in exchange for efforts to dilute uh, University of Wisconsin DEI initiatives. Might a similar dynamic occur with the proposed tuition waivers for Ho-Chunk students now that the nation has publicly denounced the race considerations for financial aid? Our relatives, the Oglala, are showing us what principal political courage looks like by renouncing Governor Noem's questionable political tactics at the Oglala nation's expense. Similarly, the Ho-Chunk Nation's legislature appears to have displayed some intestinal fortitude in decrying arguably racist legislation by the state's GOP. I just hope that they pick the right issue to take a stand on, and I really hope they publicly explain themselves. I'm sure our legislators are queuing up in order to pen the first article in the Woduck describing their actions, or to be the first guest on a new legislative Facebook Reels show. But if all these slots are filled, I would gladly welcome any legislator to come on this podcast for a legislator's corner. You know, you you pick a topic and I'll just hold the wheel. It'll be fun and illuminating. Anyways, good job on the Oglala president fighting for the a propaganda fight and good job to our legislator fighting the mad city political fight. Akiniwida High Paint. Fabulous news first. From the Education Department. I'm just going to read the Facebook announcement for you all. The new Tutor Services Division is currently accepting applications for Ho-Chunk students in all grades for personalized individual or small group tutoring. These services focus on many aspects of the student's academic progress and are offered during the day-in class or pull-out sessions after school, and even virtually. Do you want your elementary age student to receive help in reading? We can help. How about your high school student who wants added challenge in trigonometry? We've got the specialists ready to get started with them. Whatever the subject or matter, whatever the level, level, Tutor Services is available and eager to partner with our students. Go to our website, complete the easy application, and return it to us. We will connect the specialists with you and start making great things happen. Now here's a couple of questions from the class and some answers. Does a student have to be in a certain school district? Answer, for in-person services, the student would need to live in one of our larger communities. Since we have students in hundreds of school districts, we have a virtual option. Fill out the application and we will figure out how we can help. Question, are you looking for tutors? And can, quotation marks, I, they work together virtually? We are, answer, we are still looking for a couple of tutors in specific locations. Check the nation's website and job postings. Students outside of larger communities will have virtual options. A comment from the class, thank the Ho-Chunk Nation Department of Education, Ryan Crane Jr., uh, this is his response. I appreciate the shout-out, but I want to make sure everyone who is involved gets the credit. The Ho-Chunk Nation Legislative Branch for approving this for this funds for this program, Office of the President for believing in the Ho-Chunk Nation Education Department, and of course, all the staff that have put in work to build the program as well as the tutors who are pri- providing the service. So, I'd like to throw my congratulations to everyone who put this program together to make it possible and a reality. Kudos! And I'd like to offer my thank you to all the tutors who may may be blessed with patience and eager students. And to all the students out there, 
Don't be afraid of this opportunity. Seize it. Now, on the other side of the coin was the news that the Menominee Nation and the city of Kenosha signed an intergovernmental agreement. So the casino property will be on trust land, while the Menominee Nation will lease the, sur- the land surrounding the casino from the city of Kenosha. The, Nom- the Menominee Nation will sign a long-term management contract with Hard Rock Casino, and everyone goes skipping off to the bank together. It's truly a major win for the Menominee Nation. I don't know how much money they had to bring to the closing, but I'm sure the lion's share belongs to the Hard Rock Corporation. But everybody wins here. The city of Kenosha, the Hard Rock Corporation, and the Menominee Nation. When I think about this, I think that there is that this is quite a novel approach. You seek out an opportunity in an area you're familiar with, a.k.a. gaming. You lay the groundwork, some forward-thinking legislation, and some funds. You look around, and you ask for help. Now, people with expertise come in, listen to your problem and proposal. They evaluate the situation, submit their proposal. You haggle. Someone accepts proposal and begins the plan, and finally, the plan is executed. Now, the opportunity for the Menominee Nation in Kenosha was not one a one-time thing, though. As we pointed out previously, in 2013, Hard Rock and Menominees were just a Scott Walker signature away from construction at the Greyhound track becoming a reality. Obviously, despite the p- pandemic and a subsequent economic term no- p- turmoil, the plan for the Kenosha Casino remains sound. Here's the thing I didn't know. Did the people of the Men- Menominee Reservation want this casino? Were they even aware that it was being negotiated? The Menominee, did the Menominee Council bring it before their people? Or, or, or does the Menominee Nation have a business development corporation? I don't know any of this, and to be brutally honest, I don't care. What I do care about is the fact that the Menominee Nation pulled the trigger. Yeah, I said it. They pulled the trigger and executed the plan. But, and this is a big but, the people of the Menominee Nation did know about this Kenosha uh, Casino project. And the people of the Menominee Nation did want this project. You want to know how I know? I went to their website and dug around a tad bit. Now, off topic for a bit, it is an extremely interesting and informative website. I invite everyone who hasn't done so to scoot on over there and check it out. Any hoozle. In 1998, the Menominee Nation passed legislation entitled Menominee Business Ventures. In 2004, they adopted legislation entitled Kenosha Trust Lands. In 2005, they adopted legislation under Menominee Indian Gaming Authority, Article 2, the Menominee Kenosha Gaming Authority. The Menominee Nation has been laying the groundwork for this casino for decades, openly. They've separated business from government, and they have done their due diligence politically. So you ask, why aren't they filthy rich then? Don't know. Why did Thomas Edison fail a thousand times before he perfected the light bulb? Why was Steve, Steve Jobs fired from the company he created? I don't know. I do know they have set themselves up for success. Their dogged pursuit is to be admired. And this, 
could be their financial tipping point. Just over 10 years ago, Scott Walker rolled the Menominee Nation, the Hard Rock Corporation, and the city of Kenosha. Doesn't matter, though. All three entities got back up, licked their wounds, and got back to work. And they are back at it. I don't know who the brains behind this operation is. I highly suspect that Hard Rock is the brains, the money, and the muscle, politically speaking. And none of them cared, though. All three entities sat down to decide this idea had legs. It was more than worth the effort. I'm willing to bet dollars to donuts that this casino gets green-lighted, and I'm greeting customers at the door before Labor Day of 2025. Here's the thing. The education department had an idea and worked to see it through, while the Menominee Nation's government had an idea. Passed the legislation, and they're dedicated to see this dream become a reality. Coming together is a beginning. Keeping together is progress. Working together is success. Kudos to all of our peoples who see something on the horizon and work to see it become a reality. La Kiriwida Haipin. Friday, April 5th, 2024. A special secretarial election will be held with the express purpose of amending the Ho-Chunk Nation's constitution. What's being voted on is membership. The change reads as follows. To amend Article 2, Section 1, Subsection D, to read as follows. D. Beginning the date of this amendment is approved, the Ho-Chunk Nation shall no longer consider or accept any enrollment any person who has previously been enrolled as a member of another tribe, including the Winnebago Tribe of Nebraska. The proposed change to the Constitution reads... Unless such person was enrolled in the other tribe as a minor or later relinquishes such membership or other extenuating circumstances as determined by a committee of elders duly appointed as provided by law, exist. Voters will be asked a yes or no question. A yes vote will be in favor of the amendment, a no vote will be against the amendment, and to leave the Constitution unchanged. Pursuant to Article 13, Section 1, and Election Code Section 3.BB, 30% of eligible voters must cast a vote in either for or against the proposed amendment to be valid. If less than 30% of eligible voters participate, the amendment shall be deemed not to pass. Okay, we got that out of the way. Now, what are we talking about here? Number one, we're talking about changing our Constitution. This is our founding document. We are talking about 30% of eligible voters having the opportunity to change it. It's ridiculous. As of May of 2023, there were 6,253 eligible voters in a nation. To change our constitution, we need a minimum of 1,875 people to participate and actually cast a ballot. Of those 1,875 Ho-Chunks, we need a majority to vote yes. Is it possible? Yeah, it's possible. Is it probable? No, probably not. We have a history of of a large percentage of our people not participating in our elections. What was the last percentage of voters in in a secretarial election? 17%, I think? Now, this question is different. This is about Judah. If there's one thing that motivates Ho-Chunks, it's free cheese. So maybe this gets across the finish line. So what is on a ballot? If you were enrolled in another nation by your parents, 
you can now change your affiliation as an adult. Is that about it? Apparently that's not all because we created a board of elders to adjudicate extenuating circumstances. <clears throat> I'm sure there are a lot of nuances here that escape me, but here's my thought. I missed all the back and forth. I missed all the discussion about this proposed amendment. So I don't know or I don't remember why this was proposed initially. Before we go ahead and vote on this, can we return to the proposal and arguments both pro and con on this subject? I realize that I'm the only person who doesn't know what's going on. For my edification, I'm going to research this proposal, proposed amendment and report on what I find. If you're the person who proposed this amendment, can you get in contact with me or direct me to the motivations for this proposal? Hanach pinata jiwina. Shige honey chawigi. Hida kikara unwionje.